Welcome to The Five Nine, the official podcast of the Fierce Telecom and Technology Group. Join us each week for the latest insights on 5G, millimeter wave, AI, electronics, sensors, networking, infrastructure, and more in the communications and technology space. Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of the Five Nine Podcast brought to you by the Fierce team. My name is Alejandro Pinedo, your host, and this week we're going to do a deep dive into broadband and really bridging the digital divide, something that's at the really core and the mantra of the company and the CEO we're speaking to. I'm joined by Joe Costello, CEO at QuickBit Internet. Joe, thanks for joining us. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much. I am really glad to be here. Absolutely. Joe, I wanted to give you a, an opportunity here to introduce yourself and, and perhaps most importantly, QuickBit, because I think you have a really unique and exciting mission uh, that, of course, we'll talk about in, in more detail. But I, I think that's a good starting point. Yeah, so I am the CEO of a company called QuickBit Internet, and we are a broadband internet service provider. In the parlance of the industry, you would call us a WISP because we use wireless technology for doing this. But the thing that makes us unusual really is our focus. We are 100% focused on bringing broadband to mobile home and RV parks. And that's it. That's all we do. And the reason that we picked that particular area was in fact, the fact that when we were looking at different people that were on the wrong side of the digital divide, a group of people who live in mobile home and RV parks, it's a huge group of people. There's about 25 million people in the United States, 25 million. If it was a state, it would be the third largest state in the United States, bigger than Florida, smaller than Texas that live in mobile home and RV parks. And that group of people in general has very poor internet service. And so our technology that we use is a 60 gigahertz technology, one of the modern wireless broadband technologies, and it's a perfect fit. We can provide extremely good, very high speed service to these mobile home parks at a very low cost and quickly. They don't have to wait 10, 10 years or something like that. We can do it rapidly. We can do it economically. And it exactly fits the bill for what's needed in this very large and expanding population that live in mobile home RV parks. Yeah, and, and I'm, uh, I'll ask you a little bit about how you do that in a second. But before we get into the detail of, of uh, your technology that you're using, uh, I wanted to start a bit broader. Obviously, you've identified here a, a large segment of population that needs connectivity in, in the RV parks and trailer parks. What is, if broadly speaking, in the United States, where are we in broadband, in, in access? Does it get a passing grade? Is it improving? Are we stalling? How are we faring as a country in, in broadband? I would say probably just about like our math and science education in our schools. So you, you which is we can see that either way, the glass half full or the glass half empty. It's not a complete and total disaster for sure. We started really strong in the United States of America when the broadband technology transport mechanisms were the twisted pair of telephones for DSL or the cable that you were using for your television service, we did really well because that infrastructure existed. It was already in place in the vast majority of homes in the U.S. And so very quickly, the players in those spaces were able to layer on the technology that you needed in order to provide very good uh, internet access over those mechanisms, over those vehicles. The problem is 
they have all the speed limit has been exceeded. That is to say, those uh, TSL crapped out first. It's just not going to make it in terms of the broadband requirements of today. Cable is falling short. They've done a better job of trying to stay in the game, but they're falling short on it. And everybody looks and says, we know the answer. It's fiber. It's obvious, which is true. (laughs) Fiber is awesome. It is the gold, platinum, whatever, titanium standard for broadband. And it's fantastic. The problem is, There's no infrastructure. You had a twisted pair to your house. You had a cable to your house. You don't have a fiber to your house. And the problem is you've got all of this gigantic infrastructure project to accomplish before you can give people fiber broadband, which is the ultimate goal. And we, how well are we doing? On the first generations, we did pretty well because we had the infrastructure and people aggressively did the electronic side. On the second generation, the next generation, this fiber one, we're not doing so great in the sense that we probably have today Certainly less than 70% of homes in the United States are connected by fiber today. And even after all of the spending that we're talking about with bead programs and all of the state versions of those things and go out seven years, end of the decade and something like that, we're still going to have way under 50% of the homes connected with fiber because, and it's it's not per se, oh my God, what horrible people we are. We're tragically behind. We have to acknowledge it's a gigantic infrastructure project to fiber up the country. It's like the interstate highway program was back in the day in the 50s, right? It's a huge project. So we have to realize it's not going to be snap your fingers and get this thing done. So the answer is we were ahead. I'd say we were behind partly because our country, the nature of our country, we're very broad country and people are scattered. We aren't concentrated urban areas. It's harder to fiber people up in this world and it will take time. And I think everybody has to get sober and realistic about that. And specifically speaking then about QuickBit, you mentioned, of course, you're able to deploy quickly, affordably. How do you manage that? And what technology are you you utilizing? And, and how does it look like from a partnership perspective? Are you going to these communities? Do they come to you? Uh, how do you choose where your technology fits? Yeah, so the, the technology that we use for deployment is 60 gigahertz technology, which has been around for a few years now, but has never really hit in its stride in the marketplace. It's been used, I would say, almost uh, niche, very niche marketplaces. I, I always joke, when your uncle's uh, cabin on the lake needs the internet and you use 60 gigahertz, so it's been a little, that's a extreme, but that's a kind of the way it's been, very niche. And it's not, it's a now a reliable, scalable technology. And so we use a 60 gigahertz technology. I Ironically, our, the way this company, QuickBit Internet, got started, our sister company is a company, the original QuickBit, develops 60 gigahertz technology. And they were looking to showcase this technology. And I was running that company and, and during the COVID, and we saw all the terrible problems on TV about the digital divide. And that's what got us acquainted with how many people have terrible internet problems. We actually started giving away some of our 60 gigahertz technology to help people and, show, and try it, make sure we could try it, see how it was. That was what led us eventually to identifying the mobile home park opportunity. So we are using that technology. It is perfect for this kind of situation. And I'll make a comment about that. People always go, they always try to make it a one or a zero. It's either a panacea or it's crap. That's not the way it is. As engineers, we know different technologies are ideal for different use cases. The 60 gigahertz technology is a fantastic fit for things like mobile home communities, where you have relatively dense populations where you need to get that kind of coverage. And so it's really good for that. 
what is our stuff not good for? The classic picture of rural America, where you have a farmhouse every half mile or mile, our stuff is crap for that. We'd never want to use our technology for that. Every technology has its place. This is a very good fit as an example. There's many places it could be used, but this is a very good fit for it. And and by the way, Joe, earlier on, you were talking a lot about those efforts coming in to address the digital divide from a federal level in terms of funding. P has been in the news recently in terms of its extension. Have you been leveraging these mechanisms and, and is it enough? Is it being deployed in the right way in your views? Are you seeing a real impact basically from them? The heart is in the right place and the actual work is definitely somewhat misguided from my point of view. And I'll give you some ex explicit examples about it. When I say the heart's in the right place, I think people have identified this is a big problem. There are a lot of people. We have to, a bit like the, the interstate highway project back in the 50s, we've got to do something. We've got to get people to the next generation of broadband. All of that's good. Spend, it's going to take spending money. It's going to take investment. That's all really good. After you go through that, it starts to get a little raggedy. I wasn't around during the interstate highway for a time, so maybe that got raggedy too. But <laughs> when I say it gets raggedy, I'll give you examples of what I mean about that. Example, we first applied for some uh, money in the state of California prior to the BEAD, but it was those guys were influenced by the BEAD. And the ruling from all those programs was nothing but fiber. Like, it's it's got to be fiber. These other wireless technologies, no. Now, then there was a ton of lobbying came in and people came in lobbying and then they said, okay, you can consider other things as long as, for instance, they said, as long as the wireless is using licensed spectrum. That was just a nod to T-Mobile and Verizon, right? Who had spent a lot of money on licensed spectrum. So there's a lot of politics and bullshit, frankly, about that kind of stuff. And so you start with a, this kind of religious belief, okay, it's got to be fiber. It is true that fiber is the best long-term thing, but do you really want half of America's waiting another 20 years to have fiber-like performance in their broadband? No. So you've got to use every tool in the tool shed to make things happen and be very smart about how you use the dollars that are being allocated. As an example, in California, the first program we tried to apply for and were rejected because we were using wireless, the mission was we need to get the unserved and un-California up to par. Okay, great mission. What should you do if that's your mission? Identify them, count them all up, and then what should be the measure of success? How many of those underserved and unserved people did you get above the line to a good level of broadband internet? And that got lost completely by these religious things. We're going to spend it all on fiber, and we're going to run out of money, and we're, only going to, we're going to only touch 25% of the unserved and underserved people. And so completely misguided. We get you should be mission focused. If that's the goal, get the really unserved and under actually up to some kind of way to participate with a good broadband system. Make that your goal. Use every single tool in the toolbox, including all kinds of wireless. I'm not saying just ours. There's a lot of different ones. Use the right tool at the right time. Because fundamentally, here's the thing that I think people should be the driving force right now. You cannot be a full-fledged citizen of the United States of America if you don't have good broadband. That's an absolute true statement. That's not, I'm not trying to ex exaggerate it wildly. It's true. Your kids can't go to school. You can't get the right information, whether it's health information, voting information about the price and availability of different things to live, entertain. You can't live if you don't have good internet as a full-fledged citizen. You're not going to be on an equal par if you don't have great internet. So it's that important to get this done 
So let's get serious and don't get religious. And if we're going to spend money, it's a great idea to spend the money. Let's try to spend it as wisely as we can to get as many people up to par as we can. So do you think that this is resonating when you hear about bead and read about it fiber is still very much uh, at the heart of the discussion i guess it would be because a lot of these deployments will be with fiber but we've been covering here at fierce telecom a lot about municipal networks the co-ops looking to leverage their infrastructure where possible is this is this a time when we're recognizing that need and and agreeing with what you're saying or do you still see barriers towards that yeah. I still see barriers. I still pe- see people getting satisfied by spending the money as opposed to being satisfied by the results that the money is producing and using that measure. How many people, what percentage of the people, especially in the unserved and underserved, those are the people that can't be real citizens of the United States of America. If you think about that, when you have in California, I think there was, I, I'm going to say around, let's call a million households, so at least four or five million people in California that have totally inadequate internet. That means their kids can't get schooling correct done correctly at all. And we've already seen the studies from COVID. Kids fall behind every year between a quarter and a half a year when they don't have good internet access. So is that right to say just because you didn't have good internet, you should be condemned to be falling behind everybody else? No, it's not right. So we got to get serious about the goal. And as I said, use every tool. Don't get religious. It is absolutely true that the best technology that that has the longest forward band upside capability is fiber. That's a true statement. But does that mean you have to have fiber that can go to someday 100 gigabits a second up and down to every house over the next 20 years? No, not at all true. It is also not true. People always say it's completely future-proof. That is absolutely not true. Anybody who knows anything about fiber knows already we've gone through a couple generations of fiber technology. So there's a lot of political talk that doesn't really get, it's good to grandstand and get people to get behind you and say, get all excited, but get out, burn through that. What's the mission? The mission should be, we've got to get America with great broadband. Start with the people least well-served and work your way up and then get everybody to the point where, yeah, I hope 30 years from now, everybody does have fiber. In the meantime, we have to give people alternatives. And we and other guys in the wireless world today represent really great, robust solutions. Not for every situation, but there are certain large swaths like mobile home parks, 20-some million people. That's a big number of people in the United States of America that you can cover with something like this. Yeah, and and we've been covering a lot around just how big that number of people are, not just from folks who have lower speeds or or lack of competition in their area, but simply just being unserved or under. The problem is a lot larger than one thinks just going around about their their day. And, And I think it's interesting to hear your perspective in terms of trying to change that mindset of those that are looking to connect and and how there are still some barriers there. And I guess it might come down to education and time, but unfortunately that time is uh, still people without the proper internet service that they require. We get it too much into black and white arguments in our society today. Is it people will stand on something? It is good that we're putting the money into it. Fiber is good. There's nothing wrong with that. Some of the programs and work that's done is really good. But is it all the best that we can do? And is it going to be adequate? No, get realistic. First of all, that money is not adequate to get the job done. And be realistic about that now. Don't pretend that it's going to be. And is it being spent the best way? 
Perhaps not. Let's be more open-minded about that. If the goal is get as many people as possible in the United States of America to be a full-fledged citizen by having full broadband, no, our programs aren't being run that way and thought through that way. And, and Joe, let me turn back to QuickBit specifically then. Anything you can share with us in terms of the year ahead, are you seeing an increase of demand or, or folks reaching out and seeing the success you've had in these communities and, and talking to you about deploying in, in more uh, geography? What are you excited about looking ahead for the next 12 months? Yeah, there, there is. For us, we're a small company still. So we have so far deployed 50-some mobile home parks. We've contracted 70-some so far. But there are 65,000 in the United States. So we're a tiny little piece of the whole marketplace. So you could say the opportunity space for us is enormous. That's really nice for us. It's not so nice for the people that live in the other 65,000 mobile home parks. So there's a gigantic opportunity out there in terms of what we can do with internet. Now, interestingly enough, the internet in generally in these mobile home parks is very poor. It is very poor. And there's a whole uh, infrastructural kind of reason why that's true over time, which I could go into. That's been a true statement. So lots of opportunity in this space. They are, uh, because they have not had great internet for so long, they get to this point of being resigned if to being, that's how it is. We live in an internet ghetto, but that's where I live. And it's like, I don't have a lot of choices about that either. And that's one of the issues about education is they, you've got to get them to go, no, actually it is possible to change now because the, their actual view about internet service providers, if I were to put on a hierarchy, I know you would see those studies where they go lowest form of life in the United States. Lawyers are considered negative and then Congress people are maybe below that. Internet service providers are two or three rungs lower when you go into a mobile home park because they've had such lousy service for so long. And so you've got to overcome that. You've got to go, yeah, sure. But the very first thing is you're just another one of these idiots who's going to promise me the moon and deliver the same you know, stuff that didn't work for me. So there is, because it's been that way for so long, there's some, you have to get over those embedded emotions and skepticism. But the need is there. And man, a, a great opportunity to change the world in, in just this one little small sector. And it's not alone. By the way, we looked at other areas to attack. We looked at downtown urban areas. That shocked me. How many people live in downtown urban areas? And you go, how could they have a problem? There's fiber everywhere. Yeah, there's fiber everywhere. It just doesn't go to your house. <laughs> rural towns and rural communities, terrible internet in those places. Many suburban communities have been left out to date. So it's amazing how many places there's, there is. The opportunity to make a change is all over the place. We just have to be very creative about what we do. Absolutely. Joe, I love talking to you and hearing from you because you can really sense the passion. And I think, I hope our, our listeners will feel that too. And we could talk for ages here, but I, I wanted to give you a chance to, to close out. Given your mission, given all your, the efforts you've done and everything you shared today about how the heart's at the right place, but we need to open our minds and, and just get creative with the solutions. Is there one parting thought that, that you'd like folks to, to walk away here after they listen to this and, and something to take back to their desks or to their communities or, or whoever it might be as they think about this issue? I would, I would do it at, at two different levels. At the top level, I would really hope that we, as, the, as a society in the United States of America, actually do step back 
and, and acknowledge the problem. The first step to solving a problem is acknowledge it, understand what it really is. And it, it's big. Just because it's big doesn't mean it's bad. That's just reality. That's the problem we have. And then put in a long-term plan to get there. Start getting very clear. Don't use money from the government as an opportunity to set up a division of my company to get the maximum amount of money I can. Let's get onto the metrics. How much can we do? First of all, acknowledge there's a lot of people who are suffering without broadband. It's a big problem. It's not going to be solved overnight. It is going to take a huge amount of investment. And we all have to work together. Every different kind of technology. I don't care if it's a fiber technology, a cable technology, a fixed wireless access from 5G, a satellite of 60 gigabit from us, some new thing that we haven't seen yet. We have to all look, where can we make the biggest dent on this and work together? Because that's the real problem. That is the issue for the United States of America and us as a society solving that. You come down to my world, I'm now work really focused on the mobile home parks. I hope that anybody who listens to this that either lives in or knows somebody who lives in or knows somebody who owns a mobile home park will actually t take a look. Come look at QuickBit Internet. We have a solution that will really work and we can very quickly solve the desperate internet problems that people have in these parks today. Excellent. There you go, folks. You heard it here and, and you heard it loud and clear. Joe, thank you so much for joining us today here on the Five Nine podcast to share your story, but also your passion and how hard you're working at. I think uh, it's a great story and I'm very happy to see that it's getting the attention it deserves. Thank you for giving us our time to, to talk about it, give our perspective. Thank you once again for joining us here on the Five Nine Podcast. We'll be back in your feed next week with more leading voices from our tech industry. Until then, take care and bye-bye. You've been listening to the Five Nine, Fierce Telecom's official telecom and technology podcast. Follow us on Zencaster to get the latest ICT insights each week. Get the latest telecom and technology news at our websites. FierceWireless.com, FierceElectronics.com, FierceTelecom.com, and FierceVideo.com. See you soon. <laughs>